Hey guys, what's up? I'm gonna make this intro very, very short and hopefully sweet. Now, for this Find Your Film installment, we have interviews with Scott Mann, the director behind the new landscape film Fall. And if you don't know what Fall is, check out check out our last podcast where we actually review the entire film. Me, Bruce Perky, and Eric Holmes, we review it. Speaking of Eric Holmes, Eric Holmes is a person behind the mic interviewing Scott Mann for Fall. So that is the first interview you're going to listen to. And the second interview is, I don't know if you know what Wife Like is about. We also reviewed that movie this week. It's a sci-fi film starring Elena Comporis and Jonathan Rhys Myers. It, both movies, Wife Like and Fall, are out in theaters. Fall is only out in theaters, okay? August 12th, today, that is, of the time of recording. Wife Like will be available, along with being in theaters, it's available on digital via Paramount Pictures. So you'll be able to download it via digital if you're if you're so interested in watching the movie. I gave that film four stars. I really enjoyed Fall as well. I gave that four stars. And like our buddy Mitch Burns says, I, I was really four-star Greg this week. Now, really cool. this is a really cool interview that Eric Holmes has regarding Fall. He self-admittedly told the director right at the beginning of the interview that he suffered a sense of PS- PTSD when he started watching the opening moments of Fall. Or actually, yeah, it's, it, it's a very nervous movie and very ambitious film, only shot for $3 million. And it's amazing to see how much scott mann was able to do with that much money and also i was also impressed with what director writer director james bird did with wife like i interviewed james bird for wife like that is a second interview for this installment of find your film so hopefully down the road eric holmes and bruce perky will be doing a lot more interviews for this podcast feed and since i do in a lot of interviews during the week i'll be splitting up my interviews over the cinematics podcast feed as well as this find your film podcast feed as well i want to split up some of these interviews i get so much stuff and it's it's just a breath of fresh air to hear eric and bruce also commandeer a bunch of these interviews as well so hopefully you guys are getting some added value along with the movie reviews from find your film and cinematics also if you are look i'm still trying to build up our findyourfilms.com site when i have time but I, every single month, I am going to have a big giveaway where I give out eight pieces of physical media, Blu-ray or DVD, along with a couple of knickknacks. So 10 items in all, and it'll be a grab bag. Okay, one person will win this grab bag at the end of the month. The person who wins it are the ones who actually submits the most reviews. Okay, now I'm trying to find a way where you can submit it, but right now, just as I'm working, the best way to submit it is by emailing me. Info at findyourfilms.com. Info at findyourfilms.com. Rate a bunch of movies so I can actually put it in a some kind of archive, okay? And movies you've seen recently or just movies in general. The winner of every month, the winner will not be random. It'll be the person who actually gives the most ratings at the end of every month, if that makes sense. So if, let's say, you're Joseph Bridges and you give me 50 ratings and Kenneth Cunningham gives me... 48 ratings, then Joseph Bridges wins, okay? So these ratings can be any movies you've seen. Don't do something like give me 300 300 ratings in one email, but we're just talking about just uh, send me movies that you've recently seen and give me some ratings. I'm still working out the kinks, but bottom line right now, 
most ratings per listener, user, uh, consumer of the Cinematics Find Your Films podcast at the end of every month will get this grab bag that I'm putting together. Okay, so I think I'm going to start amending some of these rules, but right off the top of my head, that's what I'm thinking as far as the most ratings wins every single month. But again, I, I'm not going to accept like something if you just email me 500 movies with a bunch of ratings or, or say, Hey, check out my letterbox. I'm not going to do that. Email me a bunch of movies you've seen lately, lately. Um, and rate them one to five stars. Okay. You can put zero stars too. I think, I don't know. You know what? Can you put zero stars? But yeah, let's just go with, yeah, zero to five stars. Okay. Zero counts as a star as well or a non-star. All right. If you have any questions, email me at info at findyourfilm.com. Most importantly, here are the interviews with Scott Mann, the director behind Fall and James Bird, the writer director behind Wife Like. Thanks again for supporting us on Find Your Film. So it's, it was a really good week for us. We finally got monetized. We have some ads that will help support what we do every week on the podcast as well. All right. Thanks again, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. thing happened to you i just want you to be able to move on with your life come here it's coming up on a year i have something that's planned and i need a partner in crime the b67 tv tower i haven't climbed since becky if you don't confront your fears you are always going to be afraid Uh, let's do it let's climb your stupid tower You're awesome. That is the Becky that we need for this trip. This is sick. Damn it, Hunter. What are you getting us into? Okay, so just stay behind me. One rung at a time. See? It's easy. You're doing great. Becky, you gotta come up here. Hey, trust me. What was that? Oh my god! Oh my god! Hunter, how do we get down? I don't have a signal. The water is down there in that bag. We have 50 feet of rope. I think I can drop myself lower. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna jump onto the bag. Hunter, no! Hunter! Every hour that passes, the weaker we get. If anyone called 911, they'd be here by now. What is it that Dan used to say? If you're scared of dying, don't be afraid to live. Hello, Scott. I'm Eric, and uh, I'm here with uh, Scott Mann, the uh, director of Fall. And first of all, uh, this movie took 10 years off my life. (laughs) So thank you for that. Pleasure. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) This, uh, 
I, I gotta say, cause in my younger days, uh, doing things I shouldn't, we would, uh, find, you know, just, uh, abandoned buildings and structures and, uh, climb those. Ah. And so like, you know, watching them climb the, uh, the rickety ladder with the loose bolts and then they get like near the top and then there's that thing in the way. And it's like, why, who does the say, who does the safety protocol on these things? <laughs> what's some of the research i guess that maybe went into uh like how much experience do you have climbing because a, a yeah. lot of the stuff that you have in this seems like stuff that would really happen in this yeah situation. oh it's uh yeah so it's very i guess it's all rooted in reality uh in terms of climbing experience personally i have really none professionally like i i, I it definitely came through the the, the stunt teams um uh, ingrid Klein, who led the stunt team, and then we had an incredible group of riggers who um, uh, uh, who were amazing, and uh, that all kind of fed the reality into it and would challenge the realities of things that helps the movie. Um, but yeah, to, like to go back to uh, inspirations and things. Funny enough, uh, uh, looking at what's out there in terms of YouTube and influencer videos and things, probably sounds like you might have been a part of the influence of this uh, very film. Uh, oh, no, I didn't. I, I didn't videotape it. <laughs> oh, thank God! It's uh, yeah, because yeah, they because they, they terrified me when I saw them. I I saw a few things. Like I, I would say, that if there's one film that has influenced me more with height than anything, it would be Free Solo, um, uh, where Alex Holland climbs the the, the El Capitan uh, without a rope. And I think, and the reason it did is it, it does a similar thing, I think, to uh, some of the YouTubey things that I've seen. Which again, I I hasten to add, please do never do. But there's a personalized point of view that really gets you intimate into the person doing it, and I think that psychological kind of instrument is is why those things work. Uh, Cause I think you can have, you, I've done many stunts actually in films before where we've done height work and there's a spectacle to height work, but actually the psychology of height and falling and fear of falling in heights comes down to the human piece and, and how that's played. And so it's a special kind of um, horror that kind of accentuates thrills and tension that, that very psychological. So I think, Tapping into that and getting inspiration from from things around like that was was key to to doing it um, and and yeah and doing it for real basically was the the other piece. Well, actually, speaking of that, how much of this was real? Because I like there was a couple parts I noticed like ah, oh, there's probably some CGI in there, but yeah, yeah, yeah there's, think- and and there's other parts where I'm like oh they could have cheated that, but then there's other parts where like that. Yeah. Are they on that tower? They're on that tower. Aren't They're they? on that tower. Yeah. So there's the thing. So so with the exception of a few shots in the opening. Um, um, they, with the climbing stuff in the opening, the tower stuff is all real. And I think that's what, um, uh, that's what enabled the film to kind of play the way it played and, and capture it the way we captured it is, is we, it became apparent that like we had the choice of, you could like, let's be honest, like with a film of this, you could go green screen and you could do all these things and do a studio version, uh, which would probably cost hundreds of millions of dollars just to make it look kind of real inside a studio because they're, they're very hard things to do in a studio, bright sunshine, light, like the wind, the elements, all the things that you actually don't realize are there until you get there anywhere. Um, uh, they're, they're very hard to replicate and, and very expensive. And, and so we went completely the way and we stripped it right down to have a core team of us during COVID time, uh, had these like IMAX uh, size cameras, went up and basically found the top tip of a mountain that had this big drop off. And then we built the tower sections by the mountain and that enabled us to film all but, you know, film pretty much everything for real with the girls atop the tower. And then when it started, if you ever kind of looked right down, there was an element where we had to stitch in ground that we shot elsewhere in the desert to, to feel it. So there's kind of those stitchy edges that we had to kind of blend through. But but by and large, the whole thing is real. It's the real structure. They're really up there. And more than anything, the elements that beat them 
that we put around and everything, they're all very real and, and they affect how you shoot it and how we did it. So I think that's, that's what gives it that feel. And that's what really grounds it for, yeah. for what it needed. You know? So I'm checking the IMDb and it looks like uh, you had some uh, uh, stunt doubles, which I'm assuming uh, you yeah. would need for certain <laughs> shots. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what what are safety protocols like with that? Cause I, that, uh, if it were uh, yeah. me and I'm looking at this, Look, you're a stunt double. You know what you're doing. I'm looking at it going. Oh. Well, I think I think there's two parts. One is okay. So the stunt team as a whole were incredible, and and I think we had like we had the guys. The guys who rigged it were the same guys who did the Dubai Tower in Mission. You know, on okay. top went out the window. So we had the very best guys. Uh, well, guys and girls, actually, I should say, and uh, doing the rigging and and the safety. Uh, of course, it was very scary, you know, and you've got a structure there that's kind of wobbling around. Um, uh, but our stunt doubles, they. They start out, they would do the stunts, show them. But as as the girls, Ginny and Grace, got increasingly more confident with the situation and being at height, they wanted to do more and more of their own stunts. So it became a thing of being shown by Alice and Alice are the two, two stunt doubles. By being shown them the way and showing them on, say, wide shots, uh, we were then able to go into close shots with the actresses doing their own stunts. And they really kind of increasingly went for it and and did it yeah and did it themselves and what that enabled us to capture was the them at height doing these very you know these kind of crazy stunts and having the camera kind of in their face while they're doing it for real to really see that it's them and i think all of those elements feed into how we watch the movie and how we you know and how we believe why we believe it because it's it's you know uh it's it's right there so so they they went for it they got beaten up they kind of but they loved it and they just wanted to capture it as honestly as we could basically yeah and and what was uh let's see you got you and a uh um jonathan frank are jonathan the writers frank, on this jono as i call him jono amono is <laughs> his nickname uh, yeah, what, what, what's the writing process for something like this? Because it, it's yeah. hard enough uh, maintaining uh, interest in a story in a full-length screenplay, but yeah. you're doing a full-length story. You're on top of a tower. You're on a little bridge. Yeah. Like, how, yeah. how do you maintain that? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. Honestly, I, I think conceptually, like we went into it a different way than we had had in the previous movies because we've both written on 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 pretty much every movie I've directed. We've kind of written at some stage, usually as a rewrite process of someone else's movie, and this was very much like setting the scene to say, "Look, let's do some." We we, we both have this fear of heights anyway, and we we wanted to do something that really utilized cinema to 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 its full extent to make something theatrical and immersive and experience uh, rather than just kind of the the basic tent poles that kind of come out today and make something worthwhile that you that you really should be seeing with the biggest screen and the biggest experience and and um and it was really and it was tailored around this this idea of like how how to go about it so we 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 came across these actual towers in the desert and uh uh and just figured it was the perfect setting to put the girls for this for this particular uh, uh, film, and then we, and then the way we kind of went about writing is okay. Let's let's write them into that corner of being stuck, right? And knowing that once they're there, and then the question is, can you really get make a movie out of that? Is there enough to get a movie out of that situation? Turns um, out, it, yes, <laughs> yeah, basically yes. It turns out, but it's also there's a thing of like you are like we ended up sitting on our own little homemade kind of box ledge that we did when we were writing and breaking the story, and we just kind of thought like our life depended on it. Thought how would we get out of it and try to think through everything 
thing we could possibly do. And, and, you know, thankfully the rank process is organic, right? You'd say, okay, well, actually, if I had this here, I might try that there. And that kind of forms the, the kind of story process. But, but really it was a very, yeah, it was a very natural organic process of like thinking, what would I do first? What would I do second? It, it was just whatever came to us really. And, uh, and so, so that's kind of how we went through it by design. And, I also think it's quite refreshing not to have something that's overly long, honestly. Like it's not, um, I, I think as an experience, uh, it's, it's, it feels like the right length, right? It's like, you don't, you know, it is a roller coaster and you don't want to go on a roller coaster for four hours because you'll make yourself sick. So it should really just be a kind of get the, the very best out of each kind of element and flavor of, 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 of kind of emotions or experience. And then, you know, and then get to the finish line. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, that, I gotta say the timing is great on this because, I'm not going to lie. I had to, I had to step away a couple of times. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to go back to it. And I'm such a masochist. It's coming out this week and I saw it's playing in a the theater nearby. I'm going to, I'm going to go through it all again. Yeah, I do. Man. Big better judgment, but I'm <laughs> That's the way to do it. I swear. It's uh no, it's great. And it's great with an audience. I've noticed it's, it's like, I think again, there's another reason to go to the theater, right? Is when you're doing it with an yeah. audience and you share an experience. And like, I, 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 I've been thrilled by the reaction of it, of the, you know, the way that the audience rhythms play is, is one so it's a very it is a very kind of group experience to to go through for sure yeah i could i could see this being like a really great midnight movie because usually with midnight movies like even really great movies start you know you're up late start to stay yeah. awake yeah I, I dare you to fall asleep watching this. <laughs> um uh well so what what are uh are there any uh sort of uh because you nailed the tension in this um, what what are some like uh, movies or uh, filmmakers that maybe inspired this? Because I, uh, I I can't imagine this concept being done any better than you did it. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. It's, I I, th- I think um, well, I have the heart attacks to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I like yeah, heart stopping is a, is a good sign. I uh, yeah, I, I think it's um, I, I don't know. I I, I particularly um, I, like I, said, I I I I think as a point of reference, uh, I I try to kind of look at all height stuff, right, and and extrapolate what was spectacle and what was experience, and and I felt like yeah, free solo was definitely one that the kind of that, that that was drawn from, but but then there was also um yeah the, the Dubai sequence, the the mission Dubai sequence was very well executed, but only a small sequence. So I kind of I I, I think that I don't know. I feel like uh, it, it's as much a psychological kind of play out than anything else right in terms of the way that the film plays i think because you really have to think of it from 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 uh, becky's perspective and and so so it is i i admire no, i'll be honest like my most of my filmmakers i can list you would be james cameron and uh zemeckis and and uh spielberg i think would be my uh my, my top three not a push but uh yeah i think it's uh I, I you know i'm sure they would make their own amazing versions of this kind of concept but it's uh but for me it's it's yeah it's been a nice personal experience to to do it the way we did it you know awesome uh just a couple more things one i'm um i'm looking at your uh your past movies that, and yep. not, not after watching this like you're completely on my radar so I'm, I'm looking at uh the tournament and the heist no. uh what what's some uh what what's like a movie kind of uh that that you're real proud of what what's the thing i should hit up next 
Yeah, well, well that's that's a hard oh, you know, my son was asking me this the other day and I was like, oh, don't ask me this question, Joseph. I can't I can't answer the question. But no, I I uh, you know, you're proud of all your work, I guess, in different ways. I, I I'll be honest, out of all of them, I'm probably most proud of this movie because it's the most personal to me. And it's and and like with the other movies we did, they were usually kind of a rewrite of something else. So it okay. was like, you know, so it was always kiss that. But but no, I'm proud of all of them. Actually, tournament is the first movie I made. Um, which I, I I would I don't know how it holds up nowadays. I'll be honest, it's quite old now. So I'd be curious we'll to see. if I'm <laughs> pleased with that. And yeah, and I I you know and I I I yeah heist with De Niro and Jeff that was great. And uh, and I I like the themes of that I was a I was a new father at the time, and it's very kind of themed into my life. And uh, uh, and yeah, and final score. Uh, I think final score just came out on Netflix over here, and and uh, it got its little life here. So. Um, and you know, a lot of fun. I, I, I think you just try and kind of make the most out of each one, right? And find what the joy of it and then what you enjoy and embrace it for what it is. But, but this, yeah, this is by far the most honest, like visceral, raw movie that we've I've come up with that is that I, that I feel very like it's mine, you know, yeah. in truth. So I think I'm, I'm most proud of this one more than probably any movie I've done. And, uh, and it's, you know, but it's part of that journey. You learn, you learn from your previous ones too, right? So it's, uh, yeah. um, one uh, one last thing, uh, Bruce, uh, my co-host Bruce, he has a uh, box that he puts movies into, and every week he pulls a movie out of the box, and that's what we watch for the following week. Oh wow! Good idea. I would like you to put a movie into the box. Um, what, what's a movie that uh, you think is probably well underseen, um, or maybe uh, something maybe of your childhood? Maybe something. I think childhood. Seen? Okay, I got two movies for you, but they're both uh, well, two things. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to find one of them. It might be hard out. So I, I would, because uh, someone asked me this week, uh, Robocop, the original Robocop, I would okay. definitely in that box. That's definitely one of my top favorite movies as childhood. Um, and then, um, and there's another movie in my childhood there. I don't know, again, how it hold up is a thing called Ghost Watchers that was on the BBC. I oh, don't know right. if it's been released here, but it was. It, when I experienced it as a child, it was horrifying. So I would, I would totally recommend that one. That would be my, uh, yeah, secret. Um, yeah, uh, it was, it was kind of well before the Blair Witch days of doing something kind of docu, docu mock, uh, for real. And it gave me that scarred me as a, as a single thing. It probably scarred me more than anything else in my childhood. So, so that's what would go in the box. I think. Goes one. I, I see, I see Awake and Fright in the chat. Yeah. Oh, that, oh that, all right. Okay. I, I don't see no chat, but is that, is that was okay. just getting kicked off? <laughs> but in, anywho, uh, it was great talking with you, Scott, and congratulations. No, you I, Thank you, it, as much as this movie uh, pained me physically, it, it was, you knocked it out of the park. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, yeah, go, go see it on the bigger screen next year. Okay. I <laughs> uh, will do. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. James, first off with Wi Fi, I was expecting a really fun, entertaining, cheesy sci-fi, a little bit titillating, some really interesting stuff, but there's nothing wrong with that. I got a lot more out of it. It's a lot more layered and it's also very subversive. So it, I I just thought that, that was refreshing. Can you just talk about the that subversive element behind your narrative, which I, I found totally awesome? Yeah, I, I like to blend... Um, so sci-fi is uh, obviously futuristic, but I like to pull from history because history always repeats itself and i think that's the scariest thing about sci-fi is, is how did we get here because history repeats itself so wife like is kind of like the birth of my storytelling of like what really happened to pocahontas you know so it's like uh you know she was taken she was uh everything about her was changed she was just taken by a man that wanted her 
everything about her was changed, changed her name, changed her uh, look, changed everything about her. And I was like, you know, and as sad as that story is, how do you bring that to the masses and how do you make it entertaining? And, you know, you take a futuristic element and be like, what if this was a business, you know, and a corporation actually did this, like capitalism at its finest and made, you know, wives for people. Yeah, you know, I think it is set in the future, dystopian world, but is the biggest nightmare the fact that your movie isn't so fantastical that it, in many ways it feels like real life? Is that the biggest, one of the biggest nightmares behind your story? Can you speak to that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so we, we shot this film in 17 days. Uh, we powered through this. Uh, luckily, we had our, our crew was amazing. Our cast was amazing. Everyone was on their stuff. But I've never worked in that uh, environment of that so fast paced that we actually blocked some scenes. And I mean, just like, boom, 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 you know, and uh, that I, I feel like added to the story because the story was kind of the main character fumbles around trying to unfold this mystery and unfold. And I knew her being this perfect AI and him being this, uh, you know, guy with deep secrets and they're both like such great actors and professionals that I wanted, I thought while filming, the only thing I'm lacking is confusion. And I love when characters are confused. So I think all the restraints added some confusion, which helped me out a lot. You know, what did you see in Elena Camporis? I mean, I, I think several years ago, I saw her in a couple of films and she just immediately just popped off the screen for me. She's just a one of a kind talent. What did you see in her as a collaborator? And how, how great was it to have her as pretty much, you know, your, your lead uh, throughout the film? It just really, and Jonathan does great work too, but just what was it like finding her and putting her front and center, I guess? Yeah, I, um, first time I saw her was on Jupiter's Legacy. And I, I remember that character and I, I remember thinking, oh, that person's really good. You know, and I didn't even make the connection because when I saw her audition for this, she was everybody's favorite. And I was like, and she was my favorite. And I didn't even know she was from that show yet or, that I seen. And then when we did a zoom with her, I was, I was like, without question, it's her. She has something as, as you, as you didn't see, she has something that is so rare. It's, I think it's like a, maybe a Julia Roberts thing or something where you just know, Oh, she's going to be such a huge star. And she's a perfectionist. Um, she knows like five languages fluently. She um, was just as like, adamant about uh her performance as i am about like even the swallows like if she swallowed she would cut let's do it again you know because the ai like and the blinking and the you know you go through that movie you'll never hear her say um you know and everybody says um while they talk you know so it's like it was really cool to find someone that passionate and into what they what they do you know, I'm a sucker for filmmakers who use the most out of their budget and make their production look really high end without that 50 to $100 million backing, right, James? And I guess in layman's terms, what's the key to actually mounting an ambitious story and not making your film look um, look cheap? You may, the production design is high end. What are, in layman's terms, the, the ingredients to, to doing that and executing that in, with such a short time frame? Yeah, I, I think the whole thing is to trust your team. Because um, if if I if one person you know started 
saying how everything has to be, that's when things start looking cheap because I'm not an expert in what that person does or that person does, right? They are, you know? So I trusted my team and they just delivered on their best. I didn't, you know, I wasn't decisive. Uh, I didn't decide everything beforehand. So they did, all they had to do was pick out stuff. No, I wanted to hear every single idea they had and every single, like, I, my whole thing was like, right after they tell me, I go, okay, well, what do you think? When they're like, what do you think? I'm like, well, let's hear what you think first. And, you know, if you justify why you want this, let's do it, you know? And I think that would save a lot of movies uh, from looking cheap is if they, like how I said, Elena has that passion. Everyone else are, is passionate about their jobs, but not a lot of people get to use that passion, even when they're working on what they love, you know? So if you let them fall in love with what they're doing all over again, being because you call the shots, you be passionate about this. You show me your best idea and you show me why you want this and what you think you could do. That's when the best of every single world comes together. And I think it's impossible to look cheap, you know, if everyone is super passionate about their job. I mean, I guess this ties into your movie as well, but when did you learn to just let go of your ego and become a better person through that? Because you, you, the outcome's always going to be better. It's kind of like the theme for this movie that you, you, you really can't lord over anyone. And if you think you have your boots on everyone, then it, then karma's going to hit you eventually because you're just being a, ba- a bad person about it. When, when did you learn that lesson? Because when we're growing up as cinephiles, we're thinking, oh, the filmmaker, he or she should have a precise vision of the way everything should be and move the chess pieces on, on the board. But when did you learn to just say, no, this is, it's all about a whole kind of community working towards one goal yeah i think it's uh i think what america does is they they try to be perfect and they try to be the best and they try to be right all the time and i think that causes a lot of problems right and i because no one's perfect no one's always right no one's the best um so i think embracing the flaws embracing your mistakes embracing um what you're doing wrong is actually the the best way to learn to not have your ego involved. Uh, like, I think it's, uh, what would be the best way to explain it? I think uh, learning from your mistakes is how you become a better person, how the, how you become a better filmmaker, how you become a better film, you know, analyzer, uh, everything. If you learn from your mistakes, you're already better than the person um, that is, not learning from their mistakes, but still saying that they're the best, still saying that they're right. When, you know, the world, the community around them suffers, you know, if I learn from my mistakes, I'll do better. And my community grows and my community gets better and better and better. And, you know, that, that goes with every film, every story, all your friends, your family, you know? Yeah. You know, a lot of things that we like to do with our podcast is we'll interview filmmakers and we get really excited about the recent projects. And then we ask them about, what is it? A, can you name one of your previous films or projects for us to watch and review and th- that you're particularly either proud of or you feel maybe might be underrated? What's what's that one project that you would like us to see next right after Wife Like, which, you know, is, it's a great accomplishment. And I'm wondering also, is that trajectory, has that been trending upwards or has each of it been just kind of just on the same level of just excellence? So, yeah. Uh, so the film I did before this one was called We Are Boats. And I, I love that film a lot. Um, I would say check check that one out. Uh, it's kind of sci-fi, I guess. It, it has to deal with people that like 
you know, that, that have passed, but want to, that need to right their wrongs. And if like, you know, someone from another world came and, and helped you out with closure for family and all that. So I think, I think that one would be a fun one. We are both. We are both. Okay. So final question is right off the top of your head. Can you name one of your all time favorite films? And what is it about this specific film that still resonates with you today as a cinephile? Uh, top of my head. Uh, I like Eagle vs. Shark a lot. Have you seen I've that? Never seen that? I've never seen that. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's really good. It's such a great movie. It's one of my favorites. Um, what makes that special, just right up for someone who's naive about the film? I think it's the a new kind. Well, now it's not new because we've seen it a lot now. But it was a new kind of humor that was brought into filmmaking. It was a new kind of comedy. And I think that kind of pushed uh, storytelling I always love things that push storytelling further push like it's almost impossible to say that's never been done before. Right. But Eagle over shark was the first time I ever experienced that kind of humor and that kind of storytelling, uh, mixing together, you know, like it's, uh, absurd, but super, super heartfelt. Um, it was, it was rude heartwarming like it's it's a great i would check that out it's really cool taiki watiti is one of his first films cool i think did you have another film because i interrupted you you said there were two films was there another choice that you had or was that just eagle versus truck for the one that popped in your head oh yeah i i mean i love hedwig and angry inch a lot uh i love everything ninja turtles even even bad uh they, they were my they were my religion growing up very very cool James really loved your film and uh, really congratulations on Wife Like. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was nice. nice meeting you.